guys. Welcome back to Gaming Trim Podcast. I am your host, Erica. And I am the apocalyptic survivor, John. This week, our topic is Zombie Survival Guide. Oh, we got some tips, tricks, and hints for y'all. <laughs> uh, I love zombies. <laughs> I think I've loved zombies since I was a little child. I don't know. I like zombies before it was cool. I should say that. <laughs> that explains a lot right there. I mean, I think it really does. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite zombie movie is the OG George A. Romero, Night of the Living Dead. The black and white one. I remember that one. But Do you know how they made the guts of the zombies in that one and the humans? No, please, I probably have read on it, but it doesn't flash back to the front of my brain right now. They used uh, meat and they put it in pantyhose. Okay, now I remember. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, George Romero, love him, miss him. Amazing. He did his early stuff was great. Last couple movies. Uh, you know, I could go without him, but he did he did a great, great thing with his life. And see, my favorite ones were Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. But see, I don't know. Were those really zombie movies or were those possession movies? Little, little of this, little, little column A, yeah, little, little column B. Little of this, little of that. I mean, but I mean, if you think about it, a lot of zombie movies do have some voodoo-esque going on here, some little possessions, so... But yeah, Evil Evil Dead's a zombie movie for most people. But let's go into it. Let's talk about uh, zombie plans. Or if you just want to get to the nitty gritty, just survivalist plans. (laughs) (laughs) John, what do you have in preparation to get out of Dodge, to get out when things are getting heavy? Well, I got my 72-hour bug out bag and guns. For people who don't know, what is a bug out bag? Pretty much it's a bag that has your basic survival stats in there. So we're getting food, vitamins, painkillers, grain alcohol, uh, basically a very good first aid kit, essentially, but with water, some food for 72 hours, and it's a grain alcohol because that thing's grain like Everclear. It's good for sterilizing wounds and killing brain cells. But pretty much Everything you need in one spot where something happens, you can grab it, get in your vehicle, and get the hell out. And a lot of people think grain alcohol, drinking, sterilizing, okay, whatever. But you can also use it as a fuel substitute if you really ever need it. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, grain alcohol, great to have. If you can't find grain, vodka is the next one to go to. Uh, Pretty much anything over 80 proof. Now, what are some other things that people should really have to prepare for the apocalypse? Uh, pretty much with that, you're going to need at least a decent gun. I would suggest something 9mm because you can find those at ammo everywhere. It's pretty light. Those guns are pretty lightweight and versatile, like especially a Glock. With a Glock, you can actually change two parts you change out, and you can easily go from a 9mm to a 45 caliber, probably within about five minutes. Another good thing, maps. Paper, maps, and a compass. A lot of people don't think about it because they think, well, I have my phone, and if I ever really need anything, I have, that's, it's all right there. Your compass may work on your phone, but you guys have to realize this. Once everything goes down, the government or whoever is in charge (laughs) is going to make sure the phone signals are dead. You're not going to be able to do anything with that phone. So paper maps, any way you can get them, you need them. 
Oh, yeah. One thing that's actually pretty good, uh, you stop by HEB, they actually have some interesting things that, along those lines as well. They have your paper maps of the, of the state and the other 49 states, but we're in Texas. They're below us. <laughs> and also, they have little guides for medicinal things, which are what plants are helpful out in the area, along with other ways you can track down also with spiders, bugs, and stuff that can kill you. How to identify them and stay away because nobody wants to get bit by a nope rope. A lot of people don't realize that either. I mean, brown recluses are very prominent just in our areas. And those things are horrible. So it is good to have these books with you. It's good to be able to identify wild produce, berries, edible things, even plants. You don't want to rub your butt with some poison ivy. You know, and a lot of people don't even know what it looks like. That is still kind of odd because I had learned that stuff in like <laughs> second grade. Okay. First of all, I think we're a different breed. Okay. We were, we grew up with handy parents they forced us to go outside we probably were placed around poison ivy and that's how we found out what it was i mean luckily enough i found out i'm not allergic to poison ivy which is great oh no with me it was uh boy scouts (laughs) exactly (laughs) also another good thing to pick up would be a that's called a swedish fire starter i was about to say yes fire starter oh yeah with that one essentially it's a chunk of magnesium with a steel rod on the side of it and a small little saw that you can also use as a striker so you saw off what you need off of there into your kindling and just start striking the striking the side and get those sparks going to it to start a fire if you have to also a life straw with those you stub at a creek or whatever Things got filters, iodine, everything else in it. So that way you can just drink from the creek straight from it. And don't have to worry about pathogens, parasites, or anything like that. It is like a Brita filter and a straw. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I got a whole list of stuff that's in my bug out bag. <laughs> like, I, I got painkillers in there. I got water. I got about, ooh, three or four MREs. <laughs> Talking about MREs, what are some food that we can prepare that would be safe for transportation? Uh, Pretty much any dry good, really. Like, you need basic granola. If you have a, well, what is the thing called? Dehi- a food dehydrator. Jerky. Bananas, actually. And, stuff like, and vegetables, stuff like that. You can actually dehydrate and then just have them as snack stuff. And Ziploc bags. They will be your best friend. Also, an extra pair of socks because you always will need socks. You need to realize if you're out and about, if you have wet socks and wet shoes, you can actually get trench foot, which leads to many, many, many problems, including gangrene. Oh, yes. Same thing happened back in World War One during the trench war. Yes, it did. Have, having to get your their feet amputated and everything else. Not Not fun. Not fun at all. What are your plans to escape the city? What would you suggest to someone who really hasn't given this a second thought? Well, like I said, we're in Houston, so I'm going to go west. Because <laughs> one of the good things about this state, there is a lot of open ground between the big cities. You got a good map, good compass, and your and your equipment and everything. You are set. You just have to stay away from highly populated areas. So where would you go? If you, like you said, West, would you find an abandoned building, a small store, an abandoned house? What would you look as a prime real estate for finding as a new base? Walmart. See, (laughs) I've thought of that, okay? Because Walmart's right, there's everything there. But isn't there a lot of ground to cover? And can you really ever keep those fully safe? Well, you can lock them down pretty good, but... If you have the keys and everything like that. Yeah. 
But we're talking as a regular individual. We're going into a store. I mean, there's no real way to protect yourself in such a big, big area. Oh, Grant, there are a bunch of abandoned towns all dotted along the Texas landscape. Best place to be is going to one of those. Like, uh, for instance, if you go north... Between Waco and Dallas, there's a small town there that's not really a town anymore. It's a ghost town, but it's like two buildings, and it's called Bug Tussle, Texas. And the only thing there is a not even a mail, not even a post office, really, like the remnants of one. But it's like one of the old settler towns from way back then. That's just there. It's an historical marker. Not many people know it. You have to take back roads to get to it. Uh, if you go west, there is. If you actually go down Highway 90 and then venture south a little bit after you drive for about two about an hour and a half, there's two small towns that are called Dimebox and Old Dimebox, which is just about four miles southeast of it. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much like that, small towns, like really small towns, probably be your best bet. Granted, all hell's breaking loose. They'll probably be skeptical of you, but always have stuff to barter. Yes, that is a good good thing to bring up. And a lot of people think, well, I'll just bring my jewelry, my valuables. In the beginning, that might be useful, right? People will think the economy or the government will come back. They'll save everyone. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But for the long run, you have to think about things that will be useful, like tools that, you know, they're not power battery operated, writing utensils, pens, pencils, stuff that is usable without electricity. Um, generators, hand-cranked radios, stuff like that. A lot of people don't think about this. Train tracks. If you never know where to go, if you're lost, you want to find a way out of the city, best thing to do, follow train tracks. The only thing with those, a lot of the train tracks will intersect into major populated areas. and They will. It's one of those things where if stuff does go down, like say a zombie apocalypse or... God forbid an invasion. You want to stay away from the highly populated areas. But if you ever need a way to get out of the major town. Railroads. And let's say, yeah. And let's say you don't have a map. You're somewhere. You don't have your backup bag. Great way to follow to get to the next city or get in between cities. Railroads. Clothing. Like we've talked about before, you want to make sure you have like a, a basic poncho. Because great, our weather sucks. <laughs> um, hand warmers because when it does get cold, you need to have some for your for your boots and for your gloves to actually keep your extremities from freezing. Flashlight. I still can't stress more than more than a compass. That is your best tool. It will never fail as long as the planet keeps spinning. They make great jackets. I remember not that long ago we covered a jacket where they got a wolf to bite the person in the jacket, and the person was totally fine. Another great thing. If you don't have the correct tools, if you're bleeding out, you don't have a nursing kit. Again, if you need something to protect your extremities, duct tape is your best friend. Uh, duct tape, the handyman's secret weapon. People don't think about duct tape. Duct tape is universal. It will help you stop the bleed outs. Anytime something breaks, a pipe falls, duct tape. Yeah, you can use, yeah, yeah you can use that for almost anything. Along, same thing with, uh, paracord. You can use it as a makeshift fishing line, set up traps, anything like that, but you can also use duct tape to hold stuff up if you have to. Yes. Paracords are great. They're tiny little bracelets that you can unravel, uh, uses ropes, stuff like that. Pretty much everyone makes a paracord. I think I got two of them. 
(laughs) (laughs) Another thing that people don't think about is sustainability with electronic goods. Some people don't have rechargeable batteries. They don't have a generator. But have you ever seen those signs that read your speed or those poles that have the emergency telephones? And they have a solar panel on top of it or in front of it. A lot of people don't realize that you can just take the solar panel and all those goody little cords and take it and then use it. Yeah, especially with those, they're all set up for a tw- basic 12-volt system. So those are good. I, I have a small 23-watt solar panel that I have in my bag as well, along with a back battery to keep things charged up. Yes. <laughs> like So we can just go down the checklist here. I got uh, bandages, band-aids, multi-tool, the water filtration system, like the life straw, paracord, a small collapsible pup tent, something that you can fit in probably a good six by eight tube, antibacterial wipes, sleeping bag, painkillers, gauze pads, sunscreen. You're going to need it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, sewing kits, sling, antibiotic ointment, antibacterial wipes. Because nobody wants to wipe with a pine cone. <laughs> First aid, tourniquet, mini shovel. You always get a crowbar, but that's still a lot of weight. Um, also, those wonderful camel packs, because you have to have water. And those things can hold up to about two liters, and that's the thing right there. Now, I know we talked about weapons for a little bit. Uh-huh. Now, there's a lot of people who have never used a gun, who would not even know how to get one, what to do with it if they even had one. What are some good alternatives? I don't even know how to shoot a gun. It's just point and click. (laughs) A lot of of people, even if it was a zombie or someone attacking them, they wouldn't do it. There are just people like that out there. Okay, I I understand. It's just for (laughs) me, I have a plethora of swords, knives, machetes. A basic machete, you can pick up one at Harbor Freight for like eight bucks. And all you really have to do is just swing it like a club. Uh, just watch out because it will, if you swing hard enough, it will take stuff off. But the same thing also, if you have a collapsible shovel, they use the same thing back in World War One, where it can be used as an offensive weapon as well. And it ain't pretty. So let's say you're out in the wilderness. You need to set up camp. Where would you personally set up camp? I know that I would go for a high ground, somewhere concealed, but still off the ground, just in case it starts raining, just so that I can see my enemies or people who view me as prey, yeah. <laughs> uh, just to be safe. Where would you stay? You can go on the high, on to the top of a hill, but there's not much foliage, like ground cover, stuff like that, shrubs, bushes, all that stuff. Me, I would bury myself into a bunch of bushes. I've done that during paintball and a whole bunch of other things, and yeah, it's fun. Just watch out for chi- <laughs> just watch out for chiggers because those things they get in your clothes are they're like they're worse than ticks. Mm, yes, not not fun, not fun <laughs> at all. Somewhere secluded, like say if you're on the highway, have to take shelter or anything like that. Overpasses because with that one you can get under and then go up the little incline and you can get actually under the girders that are holding up that overpass up and that's perfect shelter right there. Also, the same good thing if there is a sudden storm like a tornado or something like that, get up under one of those. You can't be sucked down and out. I totally agree with you. Since we talked about what our plans are, why don't we go ahead and get into Game On and talk about some video games? Sounds like a plan. Game On! We all love some video games, and you know that I love zombies. So let's talk about some zombie video games. Oh, God. <laughs> the best ones are those VR zombie games. Oh, I've played a couple of those. 
I think the best thing I enjoy about this are watching the videos of elderly people playing zombie VR games and totally flipping out. Oh, yeah, because you know, all your senses are, like, enhanced with the, with that VR setup. Like, ha-ha, you're going to give Granny a heart attack. <laughs> There's actually a couple of VR zombie games that are great to get fit in. Interesting. Oh, yes. First one would be The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. Pretty much there's a full playthrough that is, it takes at least a 15-hour commitment to play this thing. Because there are so many choices to make and alternate pathways you can easily play through one, two, four, six times before seeing everything. Wow. And, yeah, you just have to listen and everything else. Like, we're around. It's a lot of twisting. Unless we got one of those <laughs> omnidirectional treadmills. Those are fun. Arizona Sunshine. Pretty much you're going to be shooting your whole way through every <laughs> single mission just to get to the end of the game. So it's a good shooter, good run, dodge, and everything else. And yeah, if you have the trackers on, you it will know if you got hit. Another good one we have here is Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades. Return of the Rot Wiener. <laughs> <laughs> What's better than shooting and looting your way through an army of zombified sausages? Not much, honestly. <laughs> Return of the Rot Wiener takes the entire arsenal of weapons featured in hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades, and drops it into wasteland riddled hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> That's a fun word. Hors <laughs> <laughs> d'oeuvres. <laughs> Not the most realistic zombie game we're going to talk about today, but very interesting. <laughs> I know that we wanted to highlight some realistic survival zombie games. So let's go ahead and talk about State of Decay. We have State of Decay 1, 2, and 3 that is about to come out, Xbox Series 1X. So the State of Decay is an ambitious zombie survival fantasy game. It's The first one is currently available for the Xbox 360 and PC. Again, the first one, it revolves around a man who went on a fishing trip, and when he came back, he realized zombies took over the world. So it's all of them are survival games, but the third one... They introduced a factor. Ooh, tell us, tell us. They introduced zombie animals. Oh my god, no, 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 no. I don't need some crazy jacked up squirrel coming after me. They're introducing new elements. Again, it will focus on players managing the entire zombie apocalypse experience from resources to fellow survivors and settlements. Settlements, you say? Yes. Oh, I can be like the king of New York with this one. And the next one we have on here, I'm pretty sure that every single human being has played this. Left for Dead. Oh, I, th amazingly, I have not played this one yet. How? There's like five of them. Like, I know. Have you never played Left for Dead? Because I played Doom. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> uh, so from Valve, the creators of Counter-Strike, Half-Life, and more, comes Left 4 Dead. It's a co-op action horror game for the PC and Xbox 360, the first one, that casts up to four players in an epic struggle for survival against swarming zombie hordes and terrifying mutant monsters. Now, I've played Left 4 Dead, the later ones, on a PC, just because it's so much fun to play with online people. He's like trolling them, don't you? <laughs> the online premise is pretty much just teaming up with people, trying to get the objective, trying to get supplies, running around town, and then getting into your safe room. Okay, so pretty much like any other zombie real-life scenario, 
Go out, get it your supplies. It is very realistic. I love that they have the town set up so realistically. They have like what looks like government setups. Like these are the government areas where people would go in to get treated. They're all run down. Stuff is knocked over. It's very realistic looking. And the zombies, oh my god, are amazing. Okay, see now you got me itching for this game right now. Ooh, it's on. S- it's a really good one. And it's on sale on Steam. Seven Days to Die, set in a brutally unforgiving post-apocalyptic world overrun by the undead. Seven Days to Die is an open-world game that is a unique combination of first-person shooters, survival horror, tower defense, and role-playing games. It presents combat, crafting, looting, mining, exploration, and character growth. So, what I like about Seven Days to Die is that... It focuses heavily on survival. Um, you're setting up your your house, how to protect it, um, getting supplies. It's very realistic in that sense. And the dangers are very prevalent as well. This kind of reminds me of whenever I was in high school and they gave us those little calendar things when they give you in school so you can write down all your assignments and all that. And then there's a map of the school. And here I'm doing a map. On how to fortify in case something happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little off. <laughs> now, as much as we love zombies and as much as we love talking about preparation for the ultimate ending of our lives, which seems like 2020 is heading that way, we also like buying shit. So why don't we just go into Shut Up and Take My Money? Shut up and take my money. Now, the first one we have, Walmart is releasing these amazing vintage 80s toys, guys. Okay, first one. We just picked up some today. Masters of the Universe. They're releasing classic figures like Tila, Skeletor, He-Man, Man of Arms, Beast Man. And there's another dude. I think there's six. Not totally sure. But then they also have Prince Adam with his little scooter bike thing. I forget what that one's called. And then they have Battle Cat as well. At Walmart with uh, my friend Lizzie the Hedgehog. And we stumbled across. They re-released Light Bright. Did they now? Uh, Walmart, they also released the 80s versions of the Ghostbuster cartoon characters. Oh, don't forget they also released the 80s versions of My Little Pony. That's amazing. They're the best. Well, honestly, the 90s were the best ones. But that's just because that's what I grew up with. I don't know. But (laughs) no, for toy collectors, like the OG... Is it the real Ghostbusters? That's what they call it. The real Ghostbusters, the toy figures, they have almost identical. I mean, it would you can tell the difference, honestly, but it's it's very close. For anyone who likes to buy the vintage ones, I would definitely go to Walmart, look at the toys that they have, and save twenty bucks. And they would be brand new. Yes, but most toy collectors go for the ones with the older number on the copyright on it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but these would be great toys to buy your kids. Um, that way you don't have to buy like a $200 figure still in the box and then watch your kid open it and just the money pours away. So, <laughs> exactly. I was actually thinking, so they re released Light Bright. Like, I still have my original ones in the attic somewhere in a box. Why do you have a Light Bright? Because I was given a Light Bright when I was like eight. <laughs> Maybe. Your mother gave you a lot of girl things, Miller. It's super weird. It was a creative thing back in the day. It was a creative thing? Is that what they call? Is that what they call it? That's what it was. It was creative. 
Hey, I didn't get My Little Pony. I had Transformers. I'm actually currently reviewing some headphones right now. They are the Turtle Beach Stealth 600 Gen 2. These things are actually pretty nice. I'm actually wearing them while recording right now. They are beautiful. I have Turtle Beach headphones. I have two pairs. Love them. Uh, Yours is actually a little bit different than mine. You have a mic that drops down, which is super duper cool. Mine is a flexi stick, but then I can also take it out, which is great because I use these for gaming and for podcasting. Uh, But talk more about, I mean, they're beautiful. I can see right here on the camera. They're awesome. They're blue. Mine are green. (laughs) Oh, yes, they are. Black with blue blue undertones. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, tell me more. (laughs) This one actually works great because I actually tested it out with Steam and encompasses and silences out every bit of sound from the outside. Just to make sure I'm not talking too loud, I actually have to move the mic down, pull it down, and it activates, and then I can hear myself. It's like, oh, I'm not yelling. This is great. But I will have a full review on this one later, because I believe these things just going to be hitting the market pretty soon, actually. I think within the next month. Hey, 15-hour battery life. I'm going to test it. <laughs> That's amazing. They look beautiful. But speaking of beautiful, we can go into the Neoleaf lights. Oh, these little guys here. If you ever want to do any kind of artwork or anything on the wall, you look at the wall and like, what can I put there? Oh, I can put these hexagon plates on the wall that light up with LEDs and are touch sensitive. They look like honeycombs. Uh, they look super nifty. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's just honestly super weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, they're kind of expensive. Second of all, the hexagon ones are actually sold out at the moment. Another interesting thing that I found out about these guys, there's over 16 million colors mm-hmm. that they have. I didn't even know there were 16 million colors available. <laughs> oh, yes. You ever gone to the settings and having to choose your background color and it has that big square where you move the dot around? Same That concept. is only 16 million. That is only... <laughs> Looks like a couple hundred. Everything on a 1600 by 1400 display. Hmm. So these look super cool. Um, They, I don't know, for some reason, they almost look bohemian, beachy kind of feel. That's how I get it. I don't know. But at the same time, they don't look that pretty to me. Well, like I said, with those, you can you can shape them any way you want because they're all interconnected together. Just need one with a pow- have the power supply hook to, and the other's just click all together and you can actually go across you swipe your hand across it you can have it change colors you can turn certain ones on and off and it's all actually connected through the app and i believe alexa enabled as well it is enabled by alexa i don't know seven panels for two hundred dollars i don't know (laughs) i don't know i don't know what i think about that (laughs) it does scream show up and take your money though to me. It really does. Uh, and some of the hexagons, if I honestly was going to get these, I would get the triangles. At least with the triangles, I could make more shapes. Yes. I think you can interconnect the two, actually. But it'd be kind of weird, but the he- you just kind of want to stick to the same shape. <laughs> now, I know you like that one. I was a little iffy on it. Uh, but I found some crazy news that kind of ties in with their zombie theme. So let's go ahead and go into Nani. Now, scientists have reanimated dead pig brains. Oh, God, no. (laughs) Didn't we have a couple of movies about this that said it was wrong? (laughs) 
every couple of years, I swear I read on Neo Geographic or I read on BBC. BBC is where you should read your news, folks. That's all I'm saying. But every couple of years, I see people trying to reanimate dead brain cells. And I'm like, this is why we can't have anything nice. This is why we have ants. Okay. Like, we cannot do this. Okay. So scientists have restored cellular function in 32 pig brains that have been dead for hours, opening up a new avenue in treating brain disease. Sure, that's what we want to call it. And shaking our definition of brain death to its core. Announced Wednesday in April 2019 in the journal Nature, researchers at the Yale University School that's a fancy ass school, y'all, okay, of medicine devised a system roughly to a dialysis machine called Brain X. That sounds like something that would reanimate zombies. You can't even give it like a pretty name, guys, <laughs> that restores circulation and oxygen flow to a dead brain. The researchers did not kill any animals for the purpose of the experiment. They acquired pig heads from a food processing plant near New Haven, Connecticut, after the pigs were already killed for their meat. And technically, the pig brains remain dead, supposedly. By design, the treated brains did not show any signs of the organized electrical neural activity required for awareness or consciousness. I don't know. I don't know about that. This reminds me of the movie with the sharks and they made them super <laughs> intelligent so they can harvest their brains. And yeah, this is what's going to happen. They're, they're, they're going to rise This reminds up. me of every army zombie movie. They're like, we did some testing and shit got hectic, guys. <laughs> it was a training accident. <laughs> right? I mean, why can't we leave things dead, guys? Why can't we? Why can't we just... Leave them dead. Just bury them. But it's crazy. I mean, I know they said I got it, they got it from a butcher place in New Haven, Connecticut or whatever. Those things must have been dead for a super long time. At the same time, the researchers were enjoying pork chops. Damn. And speaking of weird news. Hey, you want to watch anime for free legally? Freight legally. So, for those of you who are not weebs, we're weebs. I don't know. John, have you heard about this? Have you read this? Have you seen this? Uh, I actually <laughs> use a couple of these, actually. <laughs> uh, so, Kiss Anime was shut down a couple days ago. So, RIP to all my fellow weebs who use Kiss Anime and Kiss Anime Manga. Uh, it's a great loss. It's a great loss for us poor weebs in the community. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not use kiss anime? No. See, you're not poor enough. This is <laughs> No, 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 no. But when you're talking about stuff like that, I remember a couple of my friends all upset when Hentai Haven went down. <laughs> okay, I'm still like we're not even talking about that right now, Miller, because that's just opening up wounds. Opening up wounds. Uh, a fan did bring that back, by the way. So that is like semi-open, just in case anyone forgot. Like it is the last time I checked. I mean, the last time I heard about it. So right, it should it heard should be back it. up. It should be back up. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the Hentai's back. Yeah, so, Hentai Haven, Haven's back, but that that is a very that is a very sore spot for a lot of us. Okay, so let's just not even talk about it. They took it down. They tried to take it down. They tried to take it down. Try to take away our freedom. People had to go to regular porn sites to view Hentai. Do you know how humiliating that is? 
Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there are some ways to legally watch anime, okay? Crunchyroll, $6.95 for a premium membership. What I like about this is that you can also buy Crunchyroll manga, and you can get a lot of really good manga to read as well in their app. Yeah, I'm just going to, the only reason I pay so I can have the dubs, that's the only reason why. You're, you're animal. Uh, I, <laughs> my ADD does not function with watching a screen and having to jump back down. At my neck it hurts. It is so much better to read subtitles. I mean, I'm lazy, so sometimes I'm like, just put on dub. I'm not paying attention to this anime. If you want me to pay attention, put it on dub. But some animes, like I watched Attack on Titan in dub. I watched it sub first and then watched it dub one day. And I was like, this is a different story. The The English translation was totally killing the storyline. I watched Attack on Titan. I did watch the subtitled one because that was the only way I can get it. And then whenever it came out with the dubbed version, I really had to do it because a friend of mine, Josh Grell, who is a voice actor for Funimation, was one of the characters. Yes, I remember you saying that. Yes, I mean, I can understand if you're friends with the voice actors. I got it. A competitor, well, they want to be a competitor. Funimation is making their own channel as well. Uh, Crunchyroll still has a lot of Funimation titles, but once their agreements are over, it's all going to go back to Funimation. It has over 300 available titles, uh, both dubbed and subbed, and you can get it for $5.99 ad-free subscription. Yeah, it's still too much. Like, I pay a dollar. I don't pay for it. Like, my partner pays for it. My brother pays for Crunchyroll. Like, I will watch Crunchyroll. I have Hulu. There's a lot of anime on Hulu. Like, people don't even realize. Like, Hulu's where it's at. Like, if if you just wanted one app, get the Hulu. That's what I would say. Uh, I used to have Hulu, but friends changed their password, so I don't use it anymore. So you never had Hulu. You were using There's Hulu. only like five people that have a Hulu account. <laughs> Same thing with Netflix. Everyone else just keeps using all of their logins. Is, is that what that is? Yes. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of sites that you don't have to pay for, like Retro Crush, Asian Crush, Midnight Pulp, Anime Planet, Viz Media, and Gundam.info, where you can actually watch Mobile Suit Gundam's YouTube page offers tons of episodes and subs for fans all around the globe. Well, that one's a new one. I haven't gone to that one yet. And Grant, I do love some uh, Macross Saga. Well, guys, that is our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can listen to this great podcast on all your major podcatchers, which is like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, pretty much everywhere you listen, you can find us. You can find me anywhere at The Raging Erica. And you can find me anywhere at Dogfin Studios. And you can also check out whenever I stream video games at Motherbrain Gamer. Remember, you can always email us or contact us at podcast at gamingtrend.com and continue this conversation in Discord, which I will have a link in the description of this episode. Oh, that's going to be a fun Discord channel right there. I tell you what. It is. We are active daily. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>